It's the Breakcast, Breakcast, the PopBreak.com. Breakcast, Breakcast, listen to the show, because you're in for the PopBreak.com. Breakcast, Breakcast, oh Hello and welcome to the Anniversary Brothers podcast where we talk about the anniversaries of your favorite TV shows and movies. I'm your host Aaron Sarnecki and I am joined by my co-host and brother Josh Sarnecki. Hey, how's it going? Uh, it's going all right. Uh, so we are here for our uh, August movie podcast. Uh, we are talking about a movie that... I. I'd always say this like every single podcast, but like you'll be like, has it really been that long since this came out? Uh, so we're talking about the uh, 15th anniversary of uh, Talladega Nights, the Ballad of Ricky Bobby, uh, which came out in August 2006. Um, Josh, I, I know that uh, I know we didn't see this movie in theaters. <laughs> no. I don't recall when exactly we first saw it. We may have rented it from the local video rental store. Yeah, we definitely. Uh, back when those are things. Yeah, we definitely either rented it or watched it in its entirety on TV. So it was one or the other. I think we actually rented it, though, but I could be wrong. I think so. Yeah, back in the good old days of Blockbuster. Although right. I don't think we actually went to a Blockbuster. Right, it was either like Hollywood Video or there was there was another video store in one of the other uh, shopping centers. Yeah, Yield Video Rental Store. Right. Um, so, fifteen years not the longest you know stretch of time from the release to now, but still pretty respectable. Um, enough that uh, some I want to say some people have forgotten about this movie. And I think in terms of some other Will Ferrell movies, this one might have seeped through the cracks um, in terms of just like if you're talking about like Elf and uh, Anchorman, mm. um, depending on I think it really depends on which of your favorites, because this is still a movie that like I was just telling you before we started, it still gets played on TV, you know, at least, you know, every other month. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I would agree that it doesn't get to the, the same notoriety of Elf and um, I'm blanking on the other one you mentioned now. Oh, I would say Anchorman, but I think actually Anchorman, this, yeah. I think this one's actually on TV more than Anchorman is. Um, yeah. but, but I think there's more of a love for Anchorman. Like, I, I feel like I've heard a lot more fans of Anchorman than I have of this movie. Yeah, I mean, I think Anchorman is... Uh, as we talk a little bit more about Will Ferrell, uh, is really, you know, like the, the standout performance that, you know, made him, you know, a bankable, uh, comedy star. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, 15 years ago, um, it just feels like the movie landscape 15 years ago, 
even just like 10 years ago was so different than what is is now i feel like I, I, and maybe just like thinking the state of Will Ferrell's career. <laughs> maybe, but I, I think this was definitely back in a time, maybe in like the, the height of the time where Will Ferrell would be in a movie and it would get, you know, immediate buzz and it would probably win the weekend. Yeah. And thinking of more recent outings from him, um, especially him and John C. Riley, since they are, you know, pretty frequent collaborators. Um, but like things like the um, the Holmes and Watson movie that came out a few years ago, like I I, I think that it got some attention, but definitely not to the level of uh, these movies earlier in his career. Right. I I think it just this movie is very much indicative of when. Uh, especially in comedy as far as like star driven movies, but just even in general star driven movies were still kind of a thing. And we've definitely gone more into franchise driven movies as uh, the years have gone on. Mm -hmm. But of course that, I mean, that was already starting before this movie came out. Yeah. And this is definitely not a movie that has become a franchise as of yet. Right. But like, if you think like you're going to see the new Will Ferrell movie or the new, you know, Robin Williams movie or something like that, it's like, here's the, the big comedy star in the movie. Yeah. I mean, you, you still get that with certain actors. Um, I, I think for, whatever reasons I think Will Ferrell maybe has just slipped in that notoriety because you still have um, actors like Kevin Hart who still managed to pull that off. That's true. Kevin Hart is able to, I don't think he's making as much at the box office. Um, I mean, Oh, I mean any, the I know the Jumanji movies made a lot, but like, as far as like the Kevin Hart is the star movies, have maybe necessarily made as much money as Will Ferrell, but anyway, uh, so uh, we talked about when we first saw this movie. Do you remember uh, what your impression of it was when you first saw it? Not particularly. I remember thinking at least one scene was funny. Um, you know, in our family, I know the one scene that is frequently brought up is the the grace scene from early in the movie when ricky bobby uh played by will ferrell is trying to say grace and he constantly refers to to baby jesus in his in his prayer um i know that was a scene that really hit um hit with us um but other than that i can't say i remembered much about this film and it definitely wasn't one where I felt I need to go like buy it on VHS or, um, you know, get the DVD. So it was never, um, one of my favorites, but I think I liked it enough. What, what about you? Yeah, I think I probably liked it a little more than you. I think it was like, this movie is really funny, but like, again, for some reason, it wasn't one of those movies that we were like, Oh, well we have to own it. Like, um, probably saw this movie roughly around the same time we saw Hot Rod with Andy Samberg and we we're like, oh, we have to own this movie. Right. And 
for greater context, we would have been um, in high school um, when we'd seen this. So, so we definitely be the target demographic of this of both movies. Yeah, yes, both have the kind of humor that you would play towards a, a teenage boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you were a little bit uh, more fond or more fond of it, at least from what you remember. So, yeah. Any were there any scenes that you remember particularly liking, other than the one I mentioned? Um. I mean, yeah. That that scene where they're they're doing grace is def- was definitely the the highlight. Um, I think. Uh. The, the scene probably when he's running around when he thinks he's on fire and when he's at the hospital were probably the ones that I thought were the other funniest scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, those are pretty, I mean, those scenes. are pretty early in the movie. Not to say that, you know, we'll get a little bit into the movie that there aren't other standout scenes, but I think this is sort of like a front heavy movie in terms of like what the, where the best material is. Yeah, I I guess as we get into like our thoughts now, I was surprised by how long this movie was. I did not think it was this long. So, right, it's over um, an hour and forty five minutes, which is long for a comedy. Yeah, that that shocks me. Um, so I I just did not realize that was going to happen until you know I, I checked in. It's like really, there's still half an hour left. Um, but before we get into um, our our thoughts on this time. Um, Aaron, would you like to give a, a plot summary? Would you like me to? No, I can do it. Uh, so Talladega Nights is about a race car driver named uh, Ricky Bobby, who uh, is the sort of he's the the big star in NASCAR, um, and you know he's you know super dominant. He loves his life, uh, has lots of friends. Uh, and then it all comes, you know, literally crashing, you know, down on top of him when uh, he gets into a rivalry with a former French uh, Formula One racer, um, which leads leads him into a, a car crash and sort of a, a mental breakdown uh, that he, he loses, you know, all his sponsorships, his car, and then it's about him you know, rediscovering how to drive and, and his passion and, you know, to, uh, beat, uh, you know, the competition. Yeah. I, I mean, like, I feel like <laughs> you could definitely make this with the description of this movie. You could make this into a serious movie. I was going to say, as you were describing that, it, it took me a second to, <laughs> to, to, to realize you were talking about the same movie as this one. Because, like, yeah. wow, that sounds like a like a prestige drama or something. You're right, like, but oh, it wait, definitely no. goes in the complete other direction. This this movie is very much uh, satirical. Um, yeah, it's definitely played for laughs. Um, I mean, I, I don't want to say there's no drama in it, but um, it, it's definitely designed as a comedy first and foremost. Yeah. Um, so I guess you, you were saying your impression now is you thought this movie was a little long. Yeah. And I, I, I thought it was longer than I remembered. 
And I also hated it at the time. So oh, was, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that was. I I don't know if I was expecting to hate it. I I came in. I was thinking, expecting you to hate parts of it. I'm gonna say I hate the majority of it. Yeah, oh, I think okay. that's fair. Okay. Um, no, and and I I want to step back for a moment before I I like start turning this into another Green Hornet episode, um, because I I don't want to to rag on it, um, knowing that there are people who do really enjoy this movie and that there are um, definitely some things about this movie that people gravitate towards. And I, I think that's fine. I, I think we all have different senses of humor and different movies we enjoy just where I'm at at this moment. This is not a movie for me. So uh, as, as I will go into my criticism, uh, if, if you're listening, please do not take any of it personal. I, I hope you enjoy this movie. I, you know, happy for you've enjoyed this movie, but definitely not one for me. Right. Um, but what about you, Aaron? Uh, for the most part, you know, I I probably enjoyed more of the satire this time around than a lot of the uh, just goofier humor. Uh, there there are some lines uh, in there, uh, like when Ricky Bobby is talking to what is the name of uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's character? Uh, Jean Girard. John Gerard, when he's talking to him, is like he's talking about like, well, I assume you came to America, you know, for our, you know, world class, you know, healthcare and education, <laughs> <laughs> like that. That stuff was funnier this time around. Uh, yeah. Or, or just like, you know, saying all these like America's famous for Chinese food. It's like, no, it's China. It's for right. pizza. It's like, I mean, it's like it is sort of funny because like America certainly has uh, a lot of other countries identity or part of America, which is, uh, is funny, but um, yeah, like I, I do, like I said, I agree that I don't think comedies should get maybe this long. I think, you know, an hour and a half is pretty optimal for a comedy. So there maybe could have shaved off some time for this one. But like I, I overall still enjoyed this movie. Mm. Okay, well, I'm I'm glad you still enjoyed it. Yeah, like I said, I don't want to I don't want to take away from your enjoyment, um, as much as I do have problems with this movie. Right. Um. So I guess as far as the plot, um, like I said, it could be played very you know dramatically. It's obviously not. Um. I mean, there's nothing really. I think super special about the plot of this movie it is very much you know your typical you know you know rise and fall and rise again kind of story oh yeah and in, in terms of the arc of it it's all, just a like vehicle for the jokes right and that wasn't but, a, that wasn't a, a pun by the way <laughs> if it would that would that'd be a good one um terrible but good no this it it is a pretty standard um story of you know like you said rise and fall especially when you're talking about sports movies i feel like that this is pretty common of you know the person being at the top of their game this is this is very much like a rocky three kind of movie where you know Mm -hmm. he's champ then he loses and then he has to win again right yeah and 
it, it, it's weird because there there is such a like a rich history of that kind of storytelling and i think maybe that is maybe to the the betterment of the film in that it, it can kind of rely on this standard formula and like you said focus on the jokes um like it's it's not necessarily going to surprise you where it's going like as you like as it sets up the start of the movie with with ricky bobby being like like from the very start like this this amazing driver who has all the success and who's like super cocky and uh over sure of himself and really arrogant like it's it's pretty clear that he's going to have a tragic fall um and that you know there's going to have to be more to that so and i mean especially as soon as they introduce the uh jean gerard character played by sasha barrett cohen it's like okay this is his comeuppance and this is going to be his his rise from that so it's not surprising but it is effective just once again because of the (laughs) how often these kind of stories are told Mm -hmm. right um i i I think like i said there's not much to talk about like and even like as long as this movie is like i was surprised that it kind of gets he they don't leave him down the dumps too much he he has like one scene where he's ordering pizzas and then it's already back to him like learning how to drive so yeah no that that was a very quick scene in that yeah he was working for the the pizza delivery service and it like right away he delivers the pizza to his dad who then tries to give him like a pep talk right so now it it pretty much turns right around into and i feel like recovery that would be less forgivable for like, if this was a dramatic movie, like you'd be like, you, you can't do that. You you have to have more scenes where he's upset, but like, because this is a comedy it's like, well, it's the, sto- like I said, the story is, is just there to be funny. Yeah. Well, e- even when the, he, he hits rock bottom right after he, he gets in this terrible crash after trying to beat, uh, Sasha Barrett Cohen's character in a race and he's in the hospital he you know it's every moment after that is is played for for laughs of you know the uh his friends and family coming to to talk to him while he's right unconscious this isn't a uh, movie that like really like they want you to feel bad for him to a point like part of this movie is the fact that like realizing that he is sort of a jerk a jerk and has to change a little bit but like uh it, this isn't a movie that like makes you want to feel like really deeply sad for Ricky Bobby. <laughs> yeah. But I I think that's a good point that you bring up. He's I, I think there is an arc of sorts, but do you feel like for for you, do you feel like he changed as a character, or did you feel like you felt for him as a character when he was going through that um you know that that downward spiral right i mean i think it's tough with comedy because like a lot of times like you're supposed to be laughing at characters uh but also a lot of times you're supposed to so it's also supposed to be likable certainly Mm -hmm. other certain forms of comedy have been like you know you know we'll take the sort of duality out of it you know we'll make the characters despicable and you'll just laugh at them and it'll be funny that you're laughing at these horrible people this is sort of like this guy's a jerk but he can change um right and i i definitely think you're right about that's what they're going for and i think 
part of that is why it doesn't work for me is because I never had that shift of I, I like him now or like I, I feel like he has made this transformation. Like I feel like there is some growth in his character, but I feel like a lot of the same problems are still there that prevent me from rooting for him. And just as a result, I just find him grating. Right. Yeah. And that's certainly going to be how you feel about Will Ferrell in general. Yeah. And I, I, I don't want to say this is Will Ferrell being Will Ferrell. Cause you know, I, I, I think he has range as an actor. I mean, he's, he's, he's done plenty of different comedies, but I, I feel like, this is definitely Will Ferrell in Will Ferrell mode. And l- watching the the end credits where they have what look to be some outtakes, um, I you definitely get the sense that a lot of this script was ad-libbed. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, d- definitely. Um, and if you watch another movie like The Other Guys, like uh, you can definitely tell that a lot of that movie was ad-libbed between him and Mark Wahlberg. Uh, so, yeah. which is not not to say that as a. Like, I mean, I so there are, there are a lot of comedies like Ghostbusters is being like it's like famous for just like Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd just like they took Harold Ramis's script and just like we'll use this as a basis and then we'll we'll do our thing. Yeah, and and we should say that this um, script um, and this movie was directed by Adam McKay who. Um, more recently is, is famous for um, some more dramatic films like The Big Short and Vice. But yeah. prior to that, very much was a... Will Ferrell movie guy. Will Ferrell, yes. Um, yeah, co-founder of the Upright Citizen Brigade, which is a, a, a famous um, group of improv uh, comedians. So um, he was also the head writer for Saturday Night Live. So Will, Will Ferrell was on which Will Ferrell is on. So yeah, it's, it's all very much playing into that. Uh Um, But yeah, I I think part of what doesn't work for me about this film is just, I, I never, I never felt like Ricky Bobby character got, he never elevated to that level you wanted him to. Yeah. Like he, 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 he was one step below whatever he needed to be for you. Yeah. Like the, the closest he came to um, getting to that point of like, okay, like you, you've had some growth is when he talks to his, um, his friend played by John C. Riley um, before the final race. That was when I felt like, okay, he's, he's had this arc. He, he's made some, some improvements on himself but I think the, the the reason, I mean, part of the reason why I feel like it doesn't work is that I feel like the there's so many other issues going on with him and how he interacts with the world, and those just kind of get solved by other people. Mm-hmm. Right. But I guess, uh, yeah, I I think that uh, like is Will Ferrell like I think amazing. I, I, Will Ferrell, like, this is a, I would say it's a good performance by Will Ferrell. Um, he definitely, like, I don't think there's ever a scene where, like, he, he's not committed to the the Southern accent. Like, he's he's pretty consistent the whole time. 
Um, but it's not like elf level where like he's like like every scene in elf like Will Ferrell is like the standout because he's supposed to be because he's the star. Yeah, um, I don't. I think he does get overshadowed at times in this movie. Right. Um, maybe by Sasha Baron Cohen. Um, right. Potentially by John C. Riley. John. Yeah. Um, I, I think the thing that does probably work the best in this movie is probably Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. This is the movie. This is why they became an on-screen duo because it was just clear that they were having so much fun together. Right. Um, and I think John C. Riley in particular, uh, just like his goofiness and sort of like, like he's so like pepped up, like you're my best friend. He says it like five times before he, uh, he erases and the, the whole, uh, shake and bake, you know, that's their, uh, their motto, you know, their catchphrase Mm -hmm. And, and just like he adds such a sort of like obliviousness to uh, like, he doesn't understand when things are getting serious. Uh, well, he doesn't understand why Ricky doesn't want to be his friend anymore. Like, I think those uh, John C. Riley, I think, um, I think other than the, the, though he adds some stuff to the, uh, that when they're praying at grace, uh, he adds some stuff to that too. I think that's definitely, you know, Will Ferrell's, you know, best scene, uh, in this movie. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I really do like John C. Riley uh, in this movie. I, I, you probably, I know I sent you one of the scenes that was for the unrated version. I don't know if you watched it or not. Uh, no, I didn't get a chance to watch that. Yeah. Well, there's basically just the same scene, uh, as, as before where he's like trying to get him to come over. Uh, mm-hmm. after you know he's stolen his life and he's like he's like yeah you know well you could come over you play gi joe <laughs> <laughs> and it's like we could go to bennigan's and get like a mountain of nachos and like will ferrell's like oh mountain nachos are sounding really good right now it's like wait no why am i talking to you okay and he's like yeah you know and he's asking him about the buttons in his jacuzzi he's like don't be pushing all those buttons he says i just started pushing stuff yeah i mean they they work well of each other and this is this came out two years before Step Brothers, which is probably their most famous work together yeah um or if one of them at least yeah um and yeah i think john c riley does well as a bumbling half-witted sidekick it's 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 just it's really funny to see having watched a little more from John C. Riley's filmography that he started as like a dramatic actor because he's in like all these, uh, well, he's in a couple, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson movies. Um, and he's in uh, a couple of Martin Scorsese movies. Uh, like he's, he's in gangs in New York and the aviator. Um, so it's like, it's, it's weird to see him. Well, no, it's sort of weird looking back as like, he found something that worked in his career. So he made a change. Mm-hmm. Whereas in a lot of these other actors, like say Steve Carell started in comedy, then like went to drama and then sort of do both now. 
Right. Yeah, his his trajectory was definitely different than most comedians. I will say it is also I'm pretty sure, but I'm not completely sure that there are a couple of Boogie Nights references into this. So which is a the Paul Thomas Anderson movie he did first, Um, because in that movie uh, he can do magic tricks and he's called the magic man in this. Uh, and okay. also he talks about uh uh doing a spread for playgirl and that movie's all about him be- being one of the the porn stars in the movie and like he even like i don't know if his i don't remember his character has a fake name but mark Wahlberg's character has a porn star name in that so like th- those seem too similar like i felt like those were references to boogie nights okay yeah, having not seen that, I I definitely didn't catch those, but that'd be some little little uh, nods there then. Yeah. Um. While we're going into characters, is it okay if I start getting into some of my my problems with the movie? Yeah. Okay. Um. I I think my biggest I don't know it's hard for me to rank my my problems with the movie, but one of my biggest problems with the movie is how it um, uses the the female characters in this. I feel like the the women in this movie are very much uh, window dressing and not given their due. Especially like it it blows my mind that Amy Adams in this movie. Like every moment Amy Adams appears I am like instantly just like totally shocked that she's in it. And then have to remind myself that this was before enchanted, which came out the year after. So mm-hmm. she, she really didn't make it big until then. Um, but this movie is such a waste of Amy Adams. It is like, it's embarrassing. It's, it's, it's really like, I'm pretty sure it's a war crime. It's, it's <laughs> um, like these, eh, she's in so few scenes and this, the scene she's in, she's really just there to um, just like be a, a tool for, for Ricky Bobby's um, development. Um, and like, like it, it really just and the way they use her as a love interest later in the film is incredibly shoehorned in. It doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't work at all. And that's not to say that Amy Adams does a bad job in this. Like she's, she's fine in it. It's just such a waste of her talent. And it's, it just, it's really there as, Oh look, because Ricky lost his wife, he needs a new love interest. Oh, we've had her kind of just, flitting around in and out between scenes. Well, let's just add her. Um, also, let's go for the uh, the terribly cliche um, wardrobe choice of let's put glasses on someone and suddenly they're not the most beautiful person you've ever seen. It's like, no, no putting glasses on Amy Adams does not make her any less gorgeous. Like, that's just right. ridiculous. Right. Like, uh, Amy Adams has had to deal with a lot of... Uh, crap in her career and a lot of disappointment and the fact that she's in this movie it just that she could rebound from that to be you know the many 
time nominated actress that she is for Academy Awards like is amazing and uh-huh. is an indictment of this movie. Right. I mean, I I don't I definitely agree that her character is pretty underwritten. I like and I think it is sort of a challenge when we are always saying like this movie is already maybe like 15 minutes too long uh just in terms of not necessarily it it has all the scenes it needs to like get from point a to point b but like pacing wise it feels a little slow at times so it's like where would we find time for her uh to like explain her more uh, and like her motivations because she is only in like two scenes before she shows up again um i think that is sort of the that is sort of a challenge that comes with uh, making a comedy movie is that it is their expect the expectation to be um faster paced uh and this movie already was like i said a little slower uh which is with, ironic with some some oh well because it's about race cars yeah and it's all about being fast right and... um i know some directors or at least i know judd apatow i think produce this i i don't think i've seen anything he's done but i he has a reputation of just making really long comedy movies because i guess he just wants to have as much in there as possible so they could have gone this that route i don't know if this movie would have benefited it it probably would have dragged too much drag or dragged more um but yeah as far as uh yeah she could have used more characterization i actually think that um in the few scenes she in is in i actually think she gives a very good performance like i i don't know if when she's giving him that speech in the restaurant or the bar i should say um she gives him like a whole like 30 second like rant on like why he shouldn't you know needs to pick himself up and like she's talking like so quickly and like she's hardly like breathing as like like, I don't know, like, that seemed like, was it, like, all one take? I was like, wow. It's like, she really went in for, like, this, like, really small role in this movie. Yeah, and, no, I I, I think that she, she sort of had, like, a, a, she had, like, a, uh, like, a shorter version later on. So I was like, yeah. I think that even though, yeah, I agree, this isn't, like, the best role for her. I think it's actually a good showcase of her ability ability in a way that like maybe somebody saw this as like she can do more let's give her more to do so i don't know if this i don't think this movie really i think this movie honestly you would have to ask her if she you know looking back feels like this movie was beneath her but i think it actually probably helped her career i mean i i I think and i don't think and i don't think in a way that was you know, super demi- like again, b- below her talents, probably not the most dem- like, unfortunately, there have been a lot of actresses who had to do a lot of demeaning things to get ahead. But like, I don't think that this movie definitely didn't go to like the ultimate sleazy route of making her do anything. So that's a good point. Um, it definitely could have done a lot worse. I, I, I think guess- honestly, like if you're thinking about like other actresses who had to deal with, 
other stuff. I think like Scarlett Johansson in like the, her first Iron Man movie, um, they were actually a little nicer to Amy Adams than they were to uh, Amy Adams. In the, or, yeah. 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 No, that's, that's fair. And I, I guess. And I think that the, the point of her character is that, and, and sort of the point of Leslie Bibb's character who, um, plays Ricky's wife, uh, I think Carla, Carly, Carly is basically like, is supposed to be sort of like this criticism of the trophy wife, uh, that like a lot of sports stars are known to have, uh, like I know even when I'll be at, uh, watching like golf, uh, our our mom will be like, how many times she'll point out like, look, that golfer has like a blonde wife. They all have blonde wives. <laughs> yeah. Like, so this is very much sort of like saying, you know, saying, you know, look how shallow, you know, people's relationships are when they, you know, you know, just marry for looks and money and like she she's, you know, someone who's actually like supportive of like Ricky's talent. Um, but like it, it goes beyond just because he's, it's not because he's successful it's because she's talented. That's and right. determined. That's why she likes them. So like that, that's the, like, does the moves this movie do in the best way? That's debatable. But like that, I think very much is like this movie is again, it, and again, it's supposed to be the way it's trying to be sort of like a satire of of NASCAR culture. Right. And so I, I think I think everything that you're saying is valid and makes sense. I think that it is a it's it's a it's mostly effective in the satire of. Um, like that, that trophy wife mentality of, you know, a, as an athlete, um, you're expected to, to marry this, um, this model or this, you know, incredibly, um, beautiful woman and kind of just kind of have this arm candy. Like th- there is this, th- there, it definitely does mock that. Well, my problem with, with both, um, Leslie Bibb's character of Carly and Amy Adams character of Susan is just how they are only defined by their relationship to Ricky Bobby that outside of that, they have no identity. Um, Right. And I think that, I mean, that's sort of the point of the Carly character. So I don't know if giving her much more depth, like, unfortunately that's kind of the characters that Leslie Bibb has kind of been known to play. Like she sort of had, she had a little bit more in when she was in the first Iron Man. Uh, but like, that was sort of like, she sort of had that sort of, uh, character trait too, when she was with, uh, Tony. So unfortunately that's sort of been like where her career has kind of gone. Uh, but, um, I think like, I, um, giving her much more, I mean, you could be like, she could, they could have established like, she finds somebody else or she, you know, find, you know, she realizes their fault in herself. And 
uh, at the same time, like Susan, you know, is, you know, they both realize like she, she finds, you know, out what she's doing wrong and Susan, you know, has more character development. So, you know what I mean? Like if there was like more of a redemptive arc for Carly, maybe, but perhaps like that, that could potentially work. And, and I'm not necessarily needing Carly to have an arc. It's just the sense that she is like, not only like, for Ricky Bobby, but like she is totally defined by the, the men in the movie because halfway through the movie when Ricky is, um, you know, it's shown that he, he is struggling to, to race again and he doesn't look like he's going to be able to, to continue, um, winning money in NASCAR. She, um, gets engaged to, um, Cal non junior, uh, John C. Riley's character. And it just, the sense of, and, and yes, it's, it's supposed to be a indictment of like trophy wifeism, but instead it just turns into this really cynical, um, really disgusting look at like, Oh look, she's just a gold digger. Like it's, it's, and that's the thing, like for, 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 for her relationship with Ricky, yes, it, 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 but it really looks at that, that tendency in athletes to have that really beautiful wife and just kind of mock that. But when it gets down to her, it's really like, oh, look, she's just in it for the money. Like that's all her character is. She just wants money. And like, that's lazy and it doesn't do much for her character. And, and you're right in that Amy Adams is then presented as a foil because she is motivated and, and really liking Ricky or really believing in him and, and being respectful of his talents. But then there's this sense of even then that's, it's, it's not enough for her to just give him that pep talk as a friend and assistant. But like, as soon as she's done giving that, that impassioned speech that you mentioned, like right away, like Ricky, like, and her have sex because like Ricky's just like, that's the only way he can have a relationship with a woman is if they're sexually engaged. And like, that's like the only way that women in this movie are, are portrayed. They're either, um, you know, sexual desires or they're, um, Molly Shannon's character, uh, who plays, um, the wife of the, the team owner who is just constantly, um, drunk at races. Um, and then you have Jane Lynch playing Ricky's mom, who is really just there to clean up his mess. So the, it, 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 it just doesn't know what to do with the women other than use them for, you know, the growth or the, um, the downfall or the, the comedy, revolve around the, the male characters. If, right. if, if you see what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I do. Um, I guess just, uh, we'll, we'll go back to, uh, I guess, uh, to John Gerard, uh, but just real quickly, uh, what did you think of his dad character? Because I actually, uh, played by uh, Gary Cole, was a Reese Bobby. I actually thought that he was a pretty, like, funny part of this movie uh, in terms of 
I mean, he, he provides Ricky for the motivation. You say he, he ain't first, you're last. Uh, he, he has like a, he gets thrown out of school on a career day. He gets thrown out of the Applebee's. Yeah. I, I think he's, he's a pretty good, um, addition to this movie. I, I mean, I think <laughs> there's, there's surprisingly more to that character um, than I remembered. Um, and they show that in the interactions with um, his grandchildren, Ricky Bobby's sons, when uh, eventually the, the after being really, um, you know, kind of terrors, they um, recognize like, oh, wow, like our grandfather like has all these these issues and oh it's probably because he wasn't loved enough as a child it's like okay wow so they they are just there is something more to that character which i found surprising right and i i sort of liked and in a way like as somebody who like can sort of relate to in in some way where like when he was in the applebee's and like uh jane lynch's character uh, ricky's mom was like you know, we're going to go to the same, you know, Applebee's and order the same thing. And you're going to go to like ballroom, you know, dancing with me and like, just see the disgust on his face as this, like, like this kind of life of like being just kind of like an average homebody person isn't for him. I think it was actually a really well acted scene by Gary Cole. Yeah. No, I, and, I and think... it's sort of like under, like just made sense for his character. He is like, his uh the the grandkids they prov- they say he's a uh, a transient and i think that's actually a a good way of describing him he's just sort of like sort of a, he's a drifter he and yeah. it's just like it's not in him to stick around uh yeah i and i think his characterization is probably the best part of his character um and then after that I, I do find some of the rest of his writing or the way he's written to be kind of lazy, just a lot of drug references and yeah. I mean, um, and another that he, he plays a similar role midway through the movie to um, the, the, the dodgeball instructor for dodgeball. You know, oh like, yeah. Uh, yeah. We're like putting someone in a ridiculous situation to, to help them. Put in a gain cougar, or regain their put skills a cougar in a car right which is i i think is funny in its ridiculousness mm-hmm. but um no i think the the movie does flesh him out more than i was expecting right uh, so yeah uh the grandkids real quickly uh just does it bother you th- that the they made these kids like swear so much in this movie um I mean, or, 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 or knowing like watching Stranger Kids and or Stranger Kids, Stranger <laughs> Things, and those kids, or, or like it, and those kids curse even way more than they do in this movie. Um, I mean, I don't think that that bothers me that much. I mean, I think kid actors. Uh, I mean, that is just something that they are often asked to do because it's just often seen as funny like oh look there's this young child curse isn't that funny um 
which in, in other contexts uh, that I can tell you I've been in, are, it's not quite as funny. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's funny. It's funny when it's happening to other people. That would have happened to you. Um, I can I can say that. So, as a, some of the things they said was like, I'm going to scissor kick you in the head. Right. <laughs> right. Like, it's definitely the, the shock value of like, wow, this this kid is saying this this really violent thing. And so I it's not or like what, what was, that. there was one thing. That was like a lot less like harsh uh, when they're uh, they they just spray the neighbor with the hose. Mm-hmm. That got yeah. a laugh out of me. It was just how like here's this neighbor sitting by and they just spray him with the garden hose. I don't know why I thought that was so funny. But... No, no, I mean it. It, it is somewhat <laughs> funny to see how mischievous they are. That's more but... like a, almost like Dennis the Menace, like much more juvenile. Yeah, my my problem with with them as characters, um, and and not so much what they had the 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 young actors do, is, is more about the 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 way the movie treats their their arc and their redemption, because it's it, it ultimately all comes down to uh, Jane Lynch's character, um, Ricky Bobby's mom Lucy, and that she um you know recognizes that they are being these little terrors and that she like puts an end to it but the the in the movie shows that you know really the the reason they are acting as they are is because of the parenting of Ricky Bobby and and Carly but the movie never brings Ricky Bobby and Carly to account for their parenting. Like you, you see the kids behaviors improve, but you don't see Ricky Bobby doing anything differently as a parent. So he's never, you know, shown like he understands what it means to be a father. Now it's purely just Jane Lynch's character. And the only reason that Jane Lynch's character is able to, um, get them into this transformation is because she, threatens to physically abuse them and she does smack them both across the face right. um which right. is very upsetting uh as as a mandatory reporter i was i was cringing during that part um right but but it's just the sense of like i don't know that also just goes against my philosophy as a as a child therapist of the only way to uh to to help children with behavior struggles is to threaten them with punishment that's the opposite of what you need to do that's terrible what about picking uh, up trash well i mean that th- there is a sense of like learning responsibility and um you know the, the sense of discipline can help but you know they, they th- these characters walker and texas ranger which funny funny names for the ricky's two sons um but the idea that they need to be punished and threatened because they are misbehaving is it totally ignores the fact that it's Ricky and Carly's fault that they're acting the way they are and that you need to address and make the parents responsible for what they've done to make these children, you know, think that this is okay behavior. And and you, that's one thing that once again, going to like Ricky's arc that you never get is he's never held accountable for his role as a parent. Right. Uh, so I, the only thing that I really thought that you were gonna uh, be upset when we were talking about this, sh- uh, this uh, I'm sorry, this show, uh, 
uh, movie was that they make so many gay jokes about John Gerard, which is like very feel feels very dated. I feel like if this movie was made like even just like five years later, they probably would have had fewer of those. Yes, th- that is my other big problem with the movie, and I I, I kept trying to to figure it out if if that was another part of the satire if if it was trying to um like make fun of ricky bobby and um colin jr and the other um members of their their race team and just the other members of the uh like the nascar um community uh, of them being um homophobic like i wasn't sure if like it was intentionally like like making fun of them for being so prejudiced. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't honestly think it was, I think they I just don't think thought it was, it was either. they just thought it was, I mean, I think, yeah, I think there is definitely some, like, you know, some people be like, well, none of this is fun. There, there were, there were some moments where it was like, he has less because of like the making fun of him being gay and more like the absurdity of like, he has all these animals that are gay too. And they like, look, all the dogs are on a pyramid or, but like, uh, yeah, no, I was like, yeah, if this movie was made just a little bit later, this would have been like, would have been a bigger, like, uh, issue i think with moviegoers and I'm, it probably was with some moviegoers at the time um, yeah and i i think it is but, but over because overall i think john gerard is actually a pretty fun character like even like i and i just think it was an aspect that they didn't really that didn't really need to add to his character to have any more depth where he could just have been this really driven french really driven really you know determined french uh formula one racer and like mm. it is already sort of like this clash of like america versus france and like or even just like america versus europe even more uh mm. and just like but at the same time like obviously uh Sancho Baracon is putting on this like very like over the top French accent, like, which is sort of like, I feel like was supposed to play into the satire of just like, maybe like, like, yeah, yes, we know this like is ridiculous. Like, I don't think they need to go any more than that when it came to his character. Um, Mm. I, I will say, so I mean, what they they must have a you know been enough for this character that was popular because uh, Will Ferrell and Sasha Baron Cohen won uh, Best Kiss at the MTV Movie Awards. I did see that that they they won, and I I think that along with Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst for Spider Man. That, that oh, was, yeah. Well, not, not not the same year. No, that was that. Was, I was just saying, that was uh, of other ex- people who have won that award. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, 
I, I agree that it's it's unnecessary, um, like adding his, his sexuality at all, because there is, like you said, this this um, this rivalry of this this American race car driver and this um, European Formula One driver that I think they they play up that humor. I think effectively. You mentioned um, earlier when Ricky Bobby's naming all these different things that he says came from America when really they're um, different foods or other things that have originated from other countries or have roots in other countries. Um, like, I think that works. And for the most part, the, uh, I don't know, the look, he's European. Isn't that funny? Like, I feel like most of that while lazy is not offensive, but really I think when it comes to, just the the constant jokes about his sexuality like it just really is a very sad time capsule of like how in 2006 and earlier um that you could just use like homophobia as a joke of itself it's like here you go here's the punchline he's gay like that's that's it like mm. and like even even with that, like that kiss at the end when um, they um, are racing and they have to uh, jump out of their vehicles and, and run to the race uh, to the finish line. And then as a sign of goodwill, Ricky kisses uh, Jean Girard. Like even that, like the fact that that one best kiss, I think that is once again a, a sign of like still like <laughs> homophobia of like, Wow, isn't it funny that they're kissing? Like rather than a like uh, I don't know. It's it, it's it's very much played for laughs. And it it would think... it, it, they could have done a, a in a way they could have done like I don't know what you know in French culture ex- exactly uh, because in, in European certain European cultures uh, giving a man a kiss or uh, is is not like seen as sexual is seen as more like a friendship thing. Yeah. So like and, if, if they had done it and like, if he had seen him do it with somebody else and have been like, instead of just giving you a kiss on the cheek, I'm going to give you like this huge kiss. <laughs> I wonder yeah. if, I, I don't know if that would have worked, but it would have been an interesting angle. Maybe they, they somewhat did that in right before that final race when the pit crews are getting ready, you see Ricky Bobby's pit crew, like giving everyone high fives and everyone on, uh, Jean Girard's pit team is, is kissing each other. Oh, did they? Okay. Yeah. And, but once again, it's, it's a quick moment, but it's, it's still played for that. Like, isn't it funny that they're doing this, um, you know, the same sex show of affection. So right. it's, it's, I don't know. I right. find it all gross and I find it all just like, very demeaning and homophobic. I will say that there are there are they do kind of make John Gerard kind of cool in a way. Like he has a sort of suaveness. I think that's just Sancho Baron Cohen's, you know, you know, portrayal of him. Uh, I think they do try to go for like a like a French new wave kind of feel yeah. for him. Like the yeah. way he's just like uh just like smoking in the stands as ricky bobby yeah. <laughs> um you know totally implodes yeah um so no that and that's the thing like i 
even though the accent is bad. Um, I, I don't, I don't really have a problem with Sasha Baron Cohen's performance as much as I just have a perform, uh, problem with just how the character is written and how he's used in the film. Right. So yeah, I think as a rival, like he could work. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I yeah. Think um, if you just take out the, the sexuality of it all, then I think it would have worked a lot better. Yeah. So, um, um, but, but, but definitely, um, like just looking at, both like the humor of this movie and the way it is. We really didn't talk too much about the way it portrays NASCAR because like this movie is like, in a way is like a really like, not like biting satire satire, but it is definitely like it's making fun of NASCAR in maybe a more pointed way than some other movies might. Um, like there there is definitely like this uh perception of NASCAR uh as you know it's dangerous, you know, it's bad for the environment, it uses up gas, uh and it's you know mostly for, you know, you know dumb white southerners uh which i mean they didn't until you know last year banned the confederate flag i don't think there were any confederate flags in this movie it they probably were like well we're not going to put that in this movie um even just banning it last year has still been controversial among fans even though you know it shouldn't be but i i think that this movie definitely is it, it makes fun of like the perception of nascar um some of it is like like it makes fun of the commercialism, obviously, with the dinner scene where they have all these uh, different sponsored, you know, food. Mm. Uh, um, or like when Ricky Bobby puts the advertisement on his windshield so yeah. he can see where he's driving. <laughs> yeah. So like I think, I think at this and, and like it just it makes fun of like the fact like he names his kids Walker and Texas Ranger, but it's like it's. It's a it's a satire without being it doesn't feel means like if you could maybe say the other things like this stuff with John Gerard feels maybe a little mean spirited. I feel like the way that this movie portrays NASCAR is not mean spirited. No, I, I would agree with that because I I think it uh, this movie apparently is pretty popular. Like they got Dale Earnhardt Jr. to be in the movie. Right. Uh, and uh there there was one apparently there was one time where uh a uh a racer he he crashed on the last lap and then he ran <laughs> to the finish line uh like in the movie yeah and, so, and apparently other race car drivers have uh made reference to this movie in other ways yeah it's just saying like shake and bake and stuff like this yeah so this movie is popular with like nascar um so yeah. I, I think that this movie, it's just in terms of the way it portrays NASCAR is, uh, is pretty, uh, I don't know if I'd go as far as saying clever, but like it is, you know, I don't know, pointed maybe, I don't know. Well, I, I think it's a, it's a very balanced uh, approach because yes, it, it does try to 
make fun of a lot of the um, more stereotypical aspects of, of NASCAR. And, uh, you know, I will <laughs> admit that I'm not really a fan of NASCAR. It's not for me. Um, but once again, if people enjoy it, that's, you know, that's fine. It's good for them. But it, 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 it balances, okay, we're going to make fun of this as like this highly commercialized um, thing that is, you know, based off of just really like, let's go fast. Like there's not more to it than that. But at the same time, it shows a lot of affection for it and how it shoots the racing. Um, because like, it, once again, as not a, as someone who's not a fan of NASCAR, like the, the, the scenes of the, the racing are really, um, really electric. Like they, um, they do a great job capturing the, um, just like the sound of it all. Um, you know, as the cars are speeding along the track, um, just mm-hmm. it gets some really good angles in there. So, it, and it they has, crash all the cars. Yes. Literally all the cars. They crash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it does a great job capturing the action of the sport and it shows a lot of love for it and I, and a respect for it, which I think is, is why it's not mean spirited because it, it tries to do both. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also, I mean, yeah, just like also there aren't too many like NASCAR, like there are some other racing movies like, I know Fast and Furious used to be about racing. Um, there aren't too many NASCAR movies, though. Like, I think Days of Thunder is, like, the, really, like, the only other one. Like, the Cars series with Pixar is, like, not technically NASCAR because the cars are alive. But, like, the, like, compared to other sports where there's, like, a thousand baseball movies, like, NASCAR is not something that has been explored quite as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I I don't necessarily know why that is, but um I mean I think if you are a a NASCAR fan, I think this is probably a movie that you should check out. Right. I I was going to say that like we were never in the NASCAR like you said. Uh we had a friend growing up who was really into Jeff Gordon. Um and there's there's somebody in the neighborhood who has a NASCAR. I don't know if it's Jeff Gordon or somebody else, uh, Mailbox. But I will say, after watching this movie, and then the next day NASCAR was on, I was like, yeah, I don't want to watch it. <laughs> it's like, it's one of those things that just, in the movie, like, the same way that, like, Rocky makes boxing a lot more exciting than, like, it really is. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't um, I don't think this movie is going to necessarily turn anyone into an NASCAR fan who isn't already. Um, yeah, I definitely do not plan on watching NASCAR. Still, it's it's still not something that I find particularly interesting or engaging. Um, yeah, which uh, is I guess impressive that they made those scenes with the racing so um, exciting then yeah and i mean like i think most of it was practical like there is some stuff in the credits that says like some like digital compositing but like the only scene where it looked it was obviously digital was when they they kind of like zoom in and out of like ricky's windshield uh it was like okay well that's obviously a, a digital effect the car doesn't look real but like everything else looked really you know like it was really there 
Um, just talking about more of the humor, uh, like, like I said, um, there are like some really funny moments. Uh, we didn't talk about, uh, just Michael Clark Duncan as, uh, forget what, what his, uh, he's not as Lucius Lucius. I don't know if he's like his coach or crew chief crew chief. Um, actually I think. John C. Riley is actually crew chief in Days of Thunder. Yeah, you, you're right. Yeah, but uh, he, he he's not in a lot of the movie. Uh, but uh, the scene where Ricky Bobby sticks the knife in his leg, and they have to get they're like, we're gonna put another knife in to get it out. It's just like... <laughs> so that was probably the moment from the movie where I laughed or like got the closest to laughing because I I did think that was funny. Yeah, so um, um, that that was good. And I, or like right before, you know, he's like, "I hope that you both have sons that you know are super athletic and lose the ability to use their legs." He's like, "Don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby." <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's just a lot of this humor that like screams Will Ferrell, like um, all the stuff he says uh, when he's running around in his underwear saying like he's on fire is like tom cruise helped me use your witchcraft to put out the fire yeah um there was uh when we were in uh high school there was a we had a uh costume contest and there was a kid one year who came as ricky bobby in his underwear uh oh really yeah you don't remember that no i don't remember he was like oh help me help me mr bailey scaled scare the fire off of me oh yeah that does sound familiar now yeah okay yeah, so uh which is also having the guts to go in your underwear, you, you know, even the fact that he was allowed to do that, I'm not even sure. <laughs> Probably got detention after that. Yeah, yeah, right. But um there's just so much of this movie or like there's there's stuff where they're chasing him and he he starts spinning around as like, you know, we we have to stop him. That's windmill two, it's the only way. No. Or uh, John Gerard's line where he's like, he wants to retire so he can make currency for cats and dogs to use. It's like, that's 100% a Will Ferrell line. Oh, yeah, very much so. Yeah, I, I'm i glad you mentioned uh, Michael Clark Duncan because I, I think he is really funny in this uh, and definitely uh, very tragic that he he mm-hmm. died so young oh, yeah. also uh, adam mckay who directed this was the first driver who ricky replaced oh i didn't i didn't know that. He to go eat a chicken sandwich <laughs> okay um but no it, it is th- there are moments of this movie that are funny even if even though i i don't like this movie um and the i i think it it does go back to the Will Ferrell of it all in that this movie has such a frantic energy of we, we're never going to take ourselves seriously. Right. And um, I think that's the kind of the way that like, like, and I think that is sort of, sort of difficult in this difficulty you kind of have with, um, with comedies is like, how seriously are you supposed to take it? Like, like you want Ricky Bobby to have a bigger redemptive arc, but like at the end of the day, like this is a comedy. Like I guess like the best comedies are able to balance it, like and it all just be cohesive. Um, but 
I guess maybe expecting all of them to do it is just unrealistic. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 think I like that... comedies very much. Most comedies exist in this in this world where everybody acts extra stupid and aren't aware that they're in a comedy, and there are very few characters that act like normal people. Right. And and I think your comparison to a movie like Hot Rod is is on point because it it is I mean that movie is ridiculous. It ends with yeah. immediately he jumps over the bus or he almost jumps over the buses and then Scrooge comes in and giving like a Christmas feast. Like the the movie's absurd. Oh, it's probably even that. more absurd than this movie. Yeah, but it it very much goes in that line of like stupid almost absurdist humor uh and, and I, I i say stupid not as like not as a like a dig at this movie which like it's it's not trying to come in with any like highly intellectual jokes it's not like i'm, I'm blanking on a, i don't know a like arrested development or something yeah that's a good example it's not it's not an arrested development where it's like it's building up layers onto its jokes um it's it's very much we're just going to throw something completely ridiculous at you and you're going to find it funny because we went there and you didn't expect us to Mm -hmm. right uh yeah i definitely there's a lot of like if this movie like went to like a script doctor now i feel like there there's a lot of like uh Kind of like, you know, if you've ever seen the commercials where they actually are trying to make the shape of a car and, the you know, they like sand it down. I feel like they, there's a better movie, a little better movie in here somewhere. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think also if you want to go with the, the pit crew analogy, I, I think maybe the, the frame of this movie could still work. But you maybe need to get the pit crew in to, to maybe change the tires and uh, make a few other alterations if it was going to run smoother. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, just thinking about, um, I guess as we wrap up, just thinking of the legacy of this movie. Um, this was a so we mentioned before uh, Will Ferrell. He he was big on SNL. He kind of was in sort of like bit parts in like uh, Austin Powers. Uh, Two thousand three, I think, was the big his big breakout year with Old School and Elf. I think both came out that year. Um, and then Anchorman was really what solidified him as like he can he can be a comedy star. Um, but like go this was this part of his career was like he did a lot of sports movies. Um, mm-hmm. Before this, he did uh, Kicking and Screaming, which is all about kids soccer, which is it's pretty bad. I remember seeing that in theaters. Yeah. Um, the joke was that Mike Ditka is his neighbor. Yep. That was pretty <laughs> much the, the joke. Um, he, but after this, he, he also did, uh, so he, he, then he did this, he did uh, blades of glory, which is all about, uh, figure skating. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also did semi-pro, which is all about semi-professional basketball. So I, he was just in a weird sports movie kick. Mm. Yeah, he, he really was. Um, yeah. 
I Since think then, like, I don't know what his kick's been, but yeah, he's sort of he's fizzled out definitely. Um, I think like the last really well reviewed, like the other guys in like when it was 2010, I think like the last like really well reviewed uh, Will Ferrell movie, and it's not really a Will Ferrell movie, is the Lego movie. Yeah, yeah, you're probably he's right. sort of hit a snag, I think. On a, Either his brand of comedy has just stopped working for audiences, or um, his material just hasn't been as good. Yeah, I mean, when you think of going, like what you said, the legacy of this movie, I think the legacy of this movie is all comes back to Will Ferrell and his filmography. And this does reflect when Will Ferrell was arguably at the height of his power. Yeah, um, the height of his power. Yeah, so I mean, just like Ricky Bobby, he is sort of flamed out now, and uh, you know maybe he's going to have a, a resurgence and he's going to have a comeback. Um, but no, yeah, right. He's, uh, look, he's he has there's this move. No, the show on Apple TV Plus with him and Paul Rudd that's sort of like a a dark comedy that uh, might be good. I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. L- looking at his films, the, his most recent film was Eurovision, um, which was not supposed to be very good. Um, and then before that was Lego Movie 2 and Holmes and Watson. Um, I, yeah, of, of his movies, Elf and the Lego Movie are by far my favorite. And, and like you said, the Lego Movie is not really a Will Ferrell movie. Right, yeah. I still would put, you know... You know, Elf is the more family-friendly one. Uh, Acreman was one that's grown on me, and then this I, I like. But like, in this and this movie is probably aged worse than somehow, even though it came out later than than Anchorman. But uh, I don't. I can still find enjoyment, but I also understand why other people wouldn't. Uh, so I guess just to wrap things up, uh, Josh, where can, uh, people find you or are you working on anything? Uh, so people can find me, um, on Twitter at Josh Cernicky. Uh, people can also find me on the Um, I usually have been trying to sort of maybe do a, a monthly column on, um, my thoughts on something going on, on TV called the couch potato. I do have an idea set for this month. I just need to hunker down and actually write it. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping. Right. I remember I gave you an idea a couple of months ago and you never wrote anything about it. You know, I, I just moved halfway across the country. It's been it's been a stressful, busy time. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm hoping to get back to that. And then I'm also typically um, one of the co-hosts of the TV break podcast with our editor in chief, Bill and our podcast editor, Alex, where each month we talk about a, um, a new show to TV, what our favorite shows have been that month and just some, some news. Um, and also like the streaming news or the, the streaming wars news. So it's, it's a fun podcast. Um, I, I was not in this most recent episode. Um, thankfully, um, Justin from, uh, the Cinema Joes was able to fill in for me this this month. So, uh, Justin, thank you for <laughs> for filling in. I appreciate it. Um, so please, you know, check out that podcast. Um, 
you know, always a fun time. And I'm sure they all did a great job without me this month. Uh, but Aaron, what about you? What do you have going on? Uh, so, uh, you can find me at Aaron Sarnecki on Twitter. Uh, I usually talk about movies I watch. Um, I recently watched, uh, Space Jam, A New Legacy, which is another comedy that I thought was too long, except that one was like 30 minutes too long. Um, but it wasn't the worst movie ever. I know a lot of people hated on the new Space Jam. Um, I'm also writing something for the site, so that should be coming out next month. Okay, cool. Yeah, can we get any like clues on what it is you're writing? Uh, I will say that it is on a TV series um, that came out uh, about a couple decades ago. Okay, that's that seems like a good little mysterious plug. Um, okay, awesome. Well, um, Aaron, I'm I'm glad you uh, enjoyed this movie more than I did. Uh-huh. Um, I do not anticipate ever watching this again, <laughs> uh, which is okay. Uh, but yeah, uh, luckily I still showed up. So yeah, I don't think it was Green Hornet level, but oh uh, now Green Hornet was like a trash fire compared to this, even if yeah. with all the criticisms. Yeah, if you want me to go on like a, a ten minute rant to end things, I can. But uh, I, I think I'll spare everyone that. So, mm-hmm. um, but Aaron, thanks again, and everyone listening. Thanks so much for for joining us. You know, remember to uh, to keep following and listening to us on uh, Pop Break TV as well as the Breakcast for our uh, monthly TV and movie episodes. And until next time, remember, if you're not first, you're last. <laughs>